0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 380, and the quote of the day is, Experience is the teacher of all things. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond. And beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. This is Session 380 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Hope you had an awesome weekend if you're checking this out on Monday. And man, it's uh, things are going well over here. The podcast uh, is getting a lot of great attention and I appreciate us getting a lot of great ratings and reviews. I appreciate that as well. Super kind of you if you've left a rating or review, if you haven't already. Please do. It takes about a minute. You can just go to iTunes and leave a rating, write a review if you want to. And that's about it in terms of ratings and reviews. Also, it's worth noting that I just relaunched Drummer's Resource Career Development. And I've been doing consulting and career coaching for the last couple of years. And frankly, it was it was really expensive and it was pretty intensive. But now I've streamlined the process to make it a lot more economical for the listeners. And this career development is for anyone who's looking to get more gigs. You want to start touring. You're trying to get a bigger gig with bigger artists. Maybe you have a day job and you just want to pick up some more gigs on the weekends. You want to improve your teaching practice. You want to get more students whatever it is everything is tailored to you so the way that it works you fill out a little application we get connected you fill out a, an assessment that really assesses where you're at what you want to do where you want to go and then we get together and we put a game plan together we have monthly phone calls you're part of a private Facebook group there's a lot that goes into it and i want to reiterate that this is not just for people who are looking to quote unquote go pro and and you know get a tour with John Mayer it's any level of player who's looking to get more gigs, step up their career, make more money, whatever it is, we can work on a concrete plan to get you there. So to find out more about it, just go to drummersresource.com forward slash career, and you can learn all about it, fill out the application. And there's a limited amount of spots, so I'm not taking on a bunch of clients, but drummersresource.com forward slash career space is limited. So if you're interested, get in there and get in there quickly. Now, That's a lot. So let's get into this conversation. This is with Trevor Lawrence Jr. And I've been trying to line this up for a long time. Why? Because there are very few people who have the experience and the pedigree that someone like Trevor has. I mean, he's played with Alicia Keys, Snoop Dogg, Herbie Hancock, Stevie Wonder, Mariah Carey, Eminem, 50 Cent, Dizzy Gillespie, Ashanti, Jennifer Lopez. He's been a long time, collaborator with Dr. Dre, just wrote some tunes on the latest Bruno Mars record. The wide variety of styles that he plays, artists who he's played with, the experiences that he's had. He's a DJ. I mean, the dude has done it all and continues to do it. And, The experience that he has and the life experiences the the music business experience is so invaluable and I cannot wait to get into these amazing topics with him so it's just it's an honor to have him on the show and I know that you're going to get a lot from this conversation so without further ado let's get into it with Trevor Lawrence Jr.
1: Trevor what's going on my man? Hey, man, what's happening, Nick? I'm good, man. I'm good. What's going on with you?
0: Not much, man. Not much. I'm just, uh, I'm just back on the West Coast, and I am uh, happy to be connected with you. Now, we, you and I are on the, on the same coast. Like I said, I wish I we could have done this in person. There's always, there's always a lot more intimacy when we do it in person, but we can get it done this way, too.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: So I want to we don't have to get into, you know, your entire life story, but I I just want to build a little bit of a little bit of backstory, a little bit of context for the sure. people who may not know who you are, may not know yeah. what you do, and I know that's hard for you to to sort of summarize in 30 seconds, but um I know that you got started at a at a really young age You're originally from from Southern California. You started playing at what? Yeah. 2 years old?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I come from a music family, so you know i started playing early yeah i started showing signs early and i started practicing and taking it seriously at an early age Yep.
0: and i know that your father your father is a very well known saxophone player and yeah was that were did you were you ever thinking man i'm gonna
1: i'm gonna play saxophone or was it no no i was always drums, man my mom was a singer as well and so her thing was she wanted to be a drummer early on but You know, obviously, it went into being a singer. And so when she was pregnant with me, she always wanted a drummer. And that's what she got.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So basically, your mom is like, I'm going to live vicariously through my son.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it happened, man. And it's like, that's all I, you know, that's not all I've been put here to do. But that's definitely the first thing, you know what I'm saying? I was definitely, I've definitely, that's one of the things I've been put here to do for sure.
0: Right. And was there, was there ever any thought that, I'm gonna do something else, or was it always like this? I'm gonna do this as a career. Like, walk me through that a little bit. Like, coming up through church, you start playing. I'm, sh- I'm sure you know, you're, you're, are you playing in church? Or are
1: you? No, I didn't. I didn't come from the church side. I came no? from the jazz side. I came okay. from the jazz side. So yeah, I used to just play the records, man, and you know, um, all my favorite records. You know what I mean? I used to practice to records. I always remember I used to practice to the Muppet movie song, which was my my first three four song. And then I used to play to like a specific Shaka Khan record all the time called uh, "We Can Work It Out" that had Purdy on it and mm-hmm. and uh, you know Steve Ferrone and all these people and uh, you know not knowing as much about them at the time, but see my dad worked with all them too because he was a, a producer, but he, I mean a saxophone player, but he was also a producer, so like you know mm. he produced "I'm So Excited" and a whole bunch of other stuff. So you know it's like. Um, and you know, and just countless things. So I was around all those cats. You know what I mean? But right. I just came up, you know, regular, not not going, not playing in church, but you know, kind of as on the jazz side of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's really how I, that's how I started. And then it just morphed into and then and then you know, by the time I was thirteen, well, in the hip hop, you know, was DJing and and making beats, like really making beats and DJing. Mm-hmm. You know, um what year are we little, talking? That's about, uh, I was 13 in 87. So, um, you know, so like 87, 88 hip hop was really coming around. I was, I was DJing at that time. So I was young, but I had a DJ company. I had a lot lot of high school cats working for me. And, uh, you know, um, it was like, uh, the Christmas of that year is when I got my first equipment, you know, as far as beat, you know, making tracks. Mm -hmm. So that's when the production thing started, you know what I'm saying? And then, uh, Man, I just was a hip-hop kid making beats in the room and, you know, having cats, rappers come to the bedroom recording. And it was the studio. That was the first studio. And it was active. You know what I mean? It was active. And you were how you know old? 13 saying? years old? Yeah, 13. And I was, like, really into business early. Like, I, I, you know, if I'm going to do something, I want it to make sense. So mm-hmm. I would be in, in middle school. Back then we called it junior high. right? You know, but, uh, you know, I would, I took graphic arts. Because in graphic arts, I made all my business cards and all my flyers for my <laughs> right. DJ business. Right. You feel me? So, um, you know, and then I recruited some of the guys from the local high school. And I used to get gigs, you know, even I didn't have a driver's license. So, mm-hmm. you know, these cats had those trucks. Those Nissan bed trucks were big back then. Yeah. So everybody had those trucks. So that, that's how I get the equipment, you know, taken around. and I, You know, and that was before I really started gigging super professionally i mean i started gigging really professionally professionally at like 15 you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so 15 years old um is when i started really gigging and um you know actually making money you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so it's like i would play with this jazz group called black note and the original drummer is a guy by the name of willie jones the third Oh uh, man, I have you know, I, I
0: have Willie on here, and he yeah, because he yeah. grew up he grew up in in California, yeah, and then he moved to New yeah, York yeah. to play
1: jazz. So Willie, you know, Willie started doing so many other things with Arturo and all this stuff. I started subbing for him, and so that would take me up to to, to up to where you are, the Bay Area, playing the jazz clubs over the weekend. You know what I mean, and, and coming back, you know, right up with the guys, and uh, and then you know I started playing. um opening up at. So what happened is. I was in this thing called AXO with the NAACP and that kind of got me in LA. A lot of people saw me of certain different areas like actresses and what have you. Mm-hmm. So Marla Gibbs, I met Marla Gibbs just in the jazz community and cause Axo and just this whole La Park community that Billy Billy Higgins place, the world stage was centered around was in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I met Marla, so I started teaching Marla's grand- grandson. I started giving him lessons. And What she did was she had a club, a jazz club, called Marla's Memory Lane, kind of famous in L.A. history. It's not there anymore, obviously, but it was on Arlington and, uh, I believe, Washington and Arlington. And uh, Marla's Memory Lane, everybody used to come there and play. So she used to let me open. So I had my group there, you know, opening, um, you know, on the the weekend, like on Friday nights, you know what I mean? So I opened for a lot of, you know, artists, like older jazz artists, like Hank Crawford or – you know, Papa John Creech and all these people. And um, you know, that was like when I was fifteen up until when I was sixteen, because the first place I ever drove was to that gig. When I, my father finally said you can drive by yourself when I had my license, mm-hmm. I drove to Marla's. That was my first place <laughs> I drove with the suburban with the drums in it. You know what I mean? So, you know, it might came up. Could you in get America. in there underage? Well, I mean, I yeah, I did. I mean, I don't know how how that really worked, I to be honest with you, because there was definitely alcohol there and definitely a bar, but I think nobody really said anything and you know, it was in the hood, so there really wasn't gonna be any police coming around. Right. And that's just what it is. I didn't even think about that till really I don't even really ever thought about that really, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what funny. neighborhood was it in? It was in it was in like by S C. So kinda not really quite South Central, but right. just LA kinda you know, just southern LA. And right. I'll never forget before i drove my band was so it's kind of a little backward i think i think it's a so my band was the saxophone player from black note by the name of james mahone and i didn't have a bass player at the time and the guitar player is my old friend anthony wilson who was the great band leader gerald wilson's son mm-hmm. anthony's very accomplished now as an artist himself so anthony used to drive me before i could drive you see what I got, i'm saying yeah, yeah and so you know that was just the thing, man. We did a lot of gigs in that time. It was popping. There was a whole jazz renaissance in Leimert Park in L.A. during that time. So it was a whole nother culture than what it is now, man. It was literally a real jazz culture with suits and cats really trying to play and bands and, and the art and everything. And, you know, it was just great to be a part of that. So that's, that's where I came from. You know what right. I mean? I didn't come from church. I came from that experience. You know I got what you.
0: Mean? So, man, I want to go back. I, I want to go back to what you were saying about. So, it's like late '80s. You're doing all this hip hop stuff, but you're also playing jazz at the same time. And for me, and I would, I'd love to get your opinion on this. Granted, hip hop and jazz are two completely different styles of music, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're that different.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's you know, back then it was a lot closer because the records that were being sampled were still a lot being pulled from jazz. You know what I'm right, saying? I mean, right. obviously there was no. There was Trap, but it wasn't called Trap, you know what I mean? And so, like, you know, you had huge records like, you know, um, Planet Rock and all that mm-hmm. on early, you know. So that that was in that in that vein, you know, but it wasn't really called Trap. But, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of jazz. I think jazz and hip-hop really got together in the 90s, you know, early 90s. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely a lot of records that were being used as sample. So there was a lot of jazz stuff happening in rap. Um, as far as, you know there's two things that are similar in a lot of in both of those genres, which is, you know, some people in those genres were using it as a voice for, you know, for political stuff and Mm -hmm. for, you know, so that's a big similarity. Um, You know, I think that the intensity can also be looked at as a similarity, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? In certain, in certain ways. And the fact that, you know, people value rappers most of the time back then, especially on the skill level, so that's another thing that's kind of the same which is, you know, the skill level of a rapper is some reason why you buy a rap record and and also the skill level of a musician is why mm-hmm. you buy a jazz record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, what I mean, there's 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 some similarities there for sure, you know, that can be paralleled, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And I look at it like, sure, culturally like you said, you know, people are are speaking out about about Injustices or what's going on in the world and and Mm -hmm. things like that. And, and you can say that, as you know, in jazz without, you know, ever actually saying those words, because, you know, a lot of times it's instrumental. Um, But I'm thinking of it for you, you're growing up, you're, you know, you're 13, 14, 15 years old. What's everyone like everyone in your neighborhoods not listening to jazz, right? I mean, they're nah, all nah. listening to hip hop. Nah, nah. So, yeah, were you in like, in like
1: the Studio City? Were yeah. you like the outcast? Well, I mean, I lived in the Valley, and then I went to school in in well, middle school. I went to school in the Valley, and that's actually where I really that's where actually when gangster rap happened around them same years too. So, mm-hmm. you know, the hot thing was NWA. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was that whole culture too, and that was very you know edgy and, and everything. But I was still into jazz just as much. So. In middle school, yeah. I mean, I was in jazz band. You know, you get kids that are kind of interested. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of them didn't really go on to do anything. A few did. But when I got to high school, I went to Hamilton, which is the music mecca that so many people went to. That's where right. Abe went. You know, that's where Abe Jr. went. Mm-hmm. That's where Mike Elizondo went. That's where John DeVerso went. That's where Warren Campbell went. It was, you know, it was the, the art school. So right. by the time I got to high school, jazz was a big thing. So yeah. there was plenty of people that were into it and listen, and we had bands, and we had groups, and you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, you're right, in that time period, just in, in L.A. period, it's not really a jazz place. I mean, at least in the Valley. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was it was interesting, but like I said, my dad is a jazz player, too, for so, I me mean, first, so, I you know, he had all the records. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So I'll be digging for records DJing, and I'm also listen, you know, listening to records, too, that I stumble across, you know what I mean? Right,
0: right. So were you like... Were you mixing, like, Herbie Hancock with N.W.A.?
1: Well, what happened was one day I was DJing, and it's a song by by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince called A Touch of Jazz. Mm -hmm. And so I was spinning it, and my dad came in. He said, man, that's me. I said, man, that's Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And it turned out they sampled him playing on Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man. Really? So that's what the the record is, yeah, because he played on Trouble Man. And that whole thing that they sampled, the very famous horn part is him. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, well, now you're cool. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, you're a cool dude, so this is hip hop. You know what I mean? So, you know, that, that was an interesting thing. And you know, you're you're you know, there was so much new music coming out, you know, that it's just it's people don't understand, man, that like just as much as being a jazz musician or any musician really, I've never met somebody in any form of music that's good or great that doesn't know their history right. of whatever it is. So, you know, when you're playing all them records man, you're learning. That's that's you're learning and building up your knowledge especially to be a producer. And the same goes with jazz. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like it's still 50 drummers I could pick out just by how they ride some sounds. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And right. You should be able to do that. I just don't know any people that really play the music correctly in the real idiom of the music that don't know that history. Yeah. You know, now, and you How would you?
0: I mean, how would you know? Nobody just gets behind the kit and knows it. Right. So you gotta, well,
1: yeah, you gotta study. You see, gotta... That's, well, that's the problem with today because these kids, I see them all the time. A lot of these gospel kids, they put on certain clothes and they get the right drums and they just film themselves playing. And it's just nothing jazz happening. It's like playing at it, mm-hmm. you know, but people say, oh, oh, you play jazz. Like not really, dude. It's like, it's not the look explain you know, you explain
0: of, that what, what you're saying about playing at it because yeah, I like, because I agree and I I'm sure that, that you this, can pr- you can explain it a lot more eloquently Yeah playing. like
1: there's not a lot of people that really exist in those genres really at high levels in those genres that can really do both things. That's a very small group. Both things only meaning just, like if you're a dude hip hop and jazz to really be successful in jazz and to really be successful in hip hop with like, you know, tangible things that are quantifiable there's not a lot of people that that really do that right well, that's so
0: why, that's why i've always been so impressed with what you do is because you go out and you'll play with herbie hancock and then you're in the studio with dr dre
1: right but see remember back in the day what were we doing we were listening to jazz and we were listening to hip-hop right so it was studying side studying.
0: note yeah. did you come up with those guys like, did you come up no, with, like, I Dre easy? I met, and I met Dre.
1: Thing? Nah, uh, I met Dre in 94, though. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, right at the end of Death Row. What year and, What
0: year did the Chronic come out? 93?
1: Nah, Yeah, it came right around that time. So, right, this was right after that, at the end. Well, what we didn't know was the end at that moment, because I met him because he was going to do an all-black heavy metal band at Death Row. Right. So, and and that's how I met him on that audition. And then as okay. history shows, he left. He there, and then he started go. Aftermath. And oh, then once yeah, he yeah. started Aftermath, he called me. And so I went and did that first SNL with him in 96 and even, but even between then I was doing sessions so he right. from that moment on he kind of called me as whenever he needed drum stuff right you know what I'm right. saying and so that morphed into you know 13 years later calling me right after I got off tour with Snoop and then I became a producer over there and then that's the same ever since then you know the relationship's been that you know what I mean
0: so I want to continue with what you were saying about the jazz thing, but I'm just going to warn mm-hmm. you now. I'm a huge hip hop fan, so I'm gonna like yeah yeah. That's I'm gonna keep good. I'm gonna keep asking questions about it as we go through. So yeah. Um. So so you you were saying about about people playing at it now and yeah. the way that you've been able to cross over genres and play jazz and hip hop, um, mm-hmm. and why you were you were saying before I rudely interrupted you about how people can how you don't see a lot of people who can pull that off now.
1: Well, I mean, not not that I, don't, I, just, I just don't, you know, the reason I say that, I don't think it's an aptitude thing, but the culture right now, everything is fast. So as far as substance and history, I don't see it. You know, mm-hmm. I see people that learn ahead maybe, and they can maybe play ahead. And then they just, you know, don't really play any music, just play a whole bunch of flailing. You know, it's like a look thing, man. It's like, how fast can I flail my arms and all that. But when it's not swinging. It's not jazz, really. Now, of right. course, on the other side of that, anything can now be considered jazz. So it's still art. So you can't really tell somebody something's not jazz. But there is an idiom. And that's why we have songs called standards, because right. there's a language in the idiom. If you really can play jazz, you can pretty much go anywhere around the world and sit with some musicians that don't have to speak the same language and play these tunes. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just don't see a lot of kids in this generation being able to do that. And the ones that can usually stay in that and stay engulfed in that because to get on the other side, there's other things involved that have to do with relationships, knowing how to speak to people, knowing how to, you know, get from oh, you're just a jazz musician to, oh, I, you know, let me you know listen to getting your tracks heard or getting records placed. See, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of stuff between that that doesn't get taught anywhere, not at Berkeley, not anywhere. You know right. what I'm saying? So right. it's still a huge disconnect where you get all these people that go to school with teachers that used to be whatever back in the day that are not relevant or current at all, telling them all their stories from back in the day. Then they go out into the world now, and they can't do anything. Right? You understand? Yeah. There's yeah. there's there's kids that go to school that are the whole jazz like it's like a jazz like a like brainwash. They don't know how to use pro tools, and they're scared. Oh oh, I don't touch a computer. Oh my god, no! Right. What man? It's twenty eighteen, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bro, come on. That's how come I have issues with certain people that that you know that 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 are constantly teaching that doctrine you know i mean i did a i did an interlude on this project i put out in 2011 called contrast and interludes called the jazz police interlude because i just don't believe in that world either you know i, I played with herbie one time at at uh what was it what's the one in new york lincoln center, lincoln center. Played with herbie at lincoln center and you know, the paper came out the next day. He wasn't offended by it. I was offended by it because it said, oh, we would have loved to see him play acoustic piano all night, you know, with the jazz acoustic. It's like, man, he did that 50 years ago, bro. Yeah. Like, what What are you? This is like, why are you even on? Like, But I I can't stand that mentality, man, because it's so anti what all the jazz cast were doing. Miles died doing hip hop, bro. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Don't get mad at people because they're not trying to just stay in the 40s and 30s, man. I can't stand that, man. So I remember specifically going to a class that was we were rehearsing at Lincoln the day before. And so there was a there's a class that goes on, you know, in there as well with these kids. I guess it's theory or whatever. And that's what I based what I told you off of because I was asking them questions. About Daws and what Daw do you use and what and they're man it was like I was speaking in Swahili bro they're like oh man oh computer I don't I don't mess with that stuff man oh what it's like man are you kidding me dude it's
0: interesting you saying that because I feel like it's one or the other it's like. It's either yeah. the one side where it's like I don't mess with the computers, I don't do any of that and I'm I'm sort of this jazz purist or there's yeah. these or there's other people that that come out they have no they have no history of of or they have no knowledge of music history, they have no knowledge of of jazz, they don't know any of the standards, they don't know anything that came before them and it's mm-hmm. all like it's all pro tools cut and pasted chops, right. licks and That's no over nothing man.
1: That's generational, man, because the Internet, bro, like the Internet came and social media came and these companies, especially these drum companies, started creating people that have had no career. They started creating them to promote their product and putting them on these pedestals and buying magazine covers and what have you. And you get people saying, oh, well, the quickest way to success is to be popular on social media. Mm -hmm. So why go learn the history? Why develop a career? Why do any of those things when you can just go on social media and somebody look how many friends you have and maybe you get a career like that? Right. So it's generational where there's a there's a lapse and these kids have not learned stuff. And let me let me also go back to the term you use: jazz purist, anything purist. When anybody tells me something about their purist, then to me And unbeknownst to them, usually psychologically, what they're automatically trying to do is elevate the way that they're being perceived. Okay, Mm -hmm. so if you tell me, "Oh, oh, I'm a jazz purist," you know, you're basically saying, "Oh, you know, I'm in the clouds. Like I'm, I'm, you know, that's not on my level, man. I'm, you know, I only listen to jazz." And it's all, all that is has nothing to do with the music. It has to do with you trying to elevate who you are. So Mm -hmm. my whole mission has been. I'll never forget the North Sea Jazz Festival in probably 1995. I went out there, and there's a famous jam session that happens where everybody goes. And I'll never forget, I was playing with an artist that back then they had that term neo-soul. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't on no suit stuff. I was wearing, you know, jeans and sneakers or whatever. And they almost didn't want to let me get up and play. And then really? when, I played, when I played, it was myself, Henry Butler, Russell Malone, um, Reuben on a bass, uh, Winton. Um, uh, somebody else, a couple other people, and uh, who else played? Uh, Winton and I know, and I think Nicholas came up and played too. And the reality is, after it, the names come to me. Oh man, you were swinging and da 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 da. You know, and that for me was a, a pr- k- kind of the platform and the validation that I've always wanted to use as a drummer. My whole mission is to kill boxes, bro. I hate mm-hmm. people putting people in boxes right Mm -hmm. because so my whole thing has been i'm not going to just be a guy that talks about it philosophically i'm going to achieve accolades in every one of the genres i'm talking about so that when i speak there's something behind me yeah you understand Mm -hmm. so that's been my mission where i'm a drummer but drums is the way that i use express my activism you understand what i'm saying right so that's just where i am and some people's like oh man that's too harsh it's not too harsh it's just reality, man. You know, you got so many people that are scared to speak, especially when they get a platform. Because, And that's why he's perpetuating. So the ignorance perpetuates. Nobody tells these kids, hey, man, you're not going to work unless you know a couple things. Right. right? <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So I right. just talked to the students at Berkeley last week. I was like, hey, man. Somebody said, well, is it bad to know more than one instrument? I said, man, learn whatever yeah, you want. That's that way you can increase the great. way you can sell yourself. You know what I mean? And sell mm-hmm. your services, right? So you know, that's just my you know that's just my thing on that man.
0: I talk about it a lot on the podcast, and I actually put a podcast out that was saying there's a difference between the music business and the drumming business. Sure. And I think that they're two and and I a lot of the times I don't I think my I think I've cleared it up with my audience a lot now. But I talk about I talk a lot about social media and about how Mm -hmm. you know people are growing their their social media following they got 50 60 70 80 000 followers on instagram on mm-hmm. instagram never played a gig so well,
1: yeah yeah and, and that's that's the that's a huge thing that's happening now i mean we didn't have that and i feel like our generation and the generations before are much more adept because we didn't have that mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying like we had to grind in a different way man it was a different kind of thing you had it forced you to have relationship skills and speaking skills and, and, you know, um, humility and all these things that forced you to do that because you had to maneuver into these different situations. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So, right. you know, I agree with that, man. I, it's weird right now because it kind of made it a little bit not realistic. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, you know, it's just weird with all the produced videos and all that, but then you go to all music, I can't tell you how many times it's been somebody on the cover of Modern Drummer in recent history. I'll go to just check out what they did, and there's nothing there.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: it's like, bro, are you serious right now? So that lets me know that the magazine's not doing well, mm-hmm. and these companies are paying them to put people on the cover. So the validity of that is over. Whereas right. when I was young, it used to be the Bible. You know yeah. what I mean? That's how I used to tell. Now, It's kind of a joke, bro. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just what it is. And I'm verbal to them. And, yeah, I did their festival and I've been in the magazine. I get it. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. Ever since I went back in all the archives to 1971 and I noticed that there's no cover for Nduku Chancellor, I've completely... Looked at that magazine, and dude who's never
0: been on the cover of Modern Drummer magazine.
1: I went in the archive. You can go check it yourself. I, believe I went you. in the archive and looked back, and I went back as far as 1971. I did not see him on a cover. Not even in 1984 when he had Thriller and Dancing on the Ceiling by Lionel Richie, two of the biggest records in history. Not even that year when they both came out the same year. Even Peisty had the drum set at Nam one year and showed all the credits from that drum set. And it's like, bro, this is this is like American history here. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that really shocked me. You know, and I was at his funeral. I knew him very well. It's very disrespectful. Then you got other drummers that have had 20 covers. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's it's How doesn't Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: I'm upset and I do me a favor, bro,
1: and check it for me just to make sure. I believe I'm I'm pretty sure, bro. So, you know, I you know, it it bothered me. I mean, I was emotional because he had passed. So when I saw that, it really pissed me off because I was literally searching for it to put the picture up when he passed. That's the picture I was going to use is his cover photo. So I'm going and going. I said, wait, wait. And then all of a sudden I'm in the 70s and there's no cover. I said, what the heck is this, man? So, you know, in, 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 honestly, man, and the, the ironic thing is they're not doing well because of social media, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the internet. Yeah. So it's just, it's a weird thing, man, uh, you know, and it's a weird that there's, thing.
0: And I, I I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I think that, that social media is great if you use it as a tool. Like, I think it's amazing that someone like Chance the Rapper can go and sell out a tour, and and not have a record label right
1: no that's beautiful that's and i beautiful, think that's man. amazing
0: but i i i think that people are using it as a replacement for learning for mastering the craft for, for like you said networking going out meeting people talking pe- talking to people developing their skills developing their business skills and 100%. if you want to be this is my stance it's like if you, if you want to be a guy who's a social media guy and has eight hundred thousand followers and you want to go around and play all your blazing chops in front of everybody and charge twenty bucks for people to come watch you do that that's cool yeah that's, that's fine if you yeah. want to do that yeah. but yeah. but thinking that that's gonna get you the gig with John Mayer or it's gonna right, get you right. something exactly. you know in the studio with dre I yeah. think is is a is a an un uh, or a mistake that people are making. And I'm, and I'm trying to clear that up without making it sound like I'm just hating on social media.
1: No, nah, I worked with John. And I worked with, I mean, a lot of people, man, it's like to get in those rooms, you realize, man, a lot of those cats at that level, see, those are real cats. John's right. a real player. Forget pop success. That boy can play that guitar. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, man, he got a he got know, a bad rap for a long time. Man, listen, dog, let me tell you something. I can tell you right now, he's the truth. Uh, I, I love. A, I've been. I've been a John Mayer the truth, fan bro. since
0: Room for Squares came out. So
1: yeah, dog, he's the truth, and he's had some songs on this record, man. Even his last record, there was a couple records that I just I love, man. And you know that's that's one of my bucket lists right there, man. Because I pretty much. I'm, you know, I'm I'm happy with everything that's happened, you know what I mean, in my career and everything. I can't say I have a lot of bucket lists left as far as genres or people, but I, mm-hmm. I really like John Mayer, man. I did a TV show with him, you know, we did a TV show a couple years ago, me, him, and uh, Ed Sheeran, and my boy, uh, Mike Elizondo, one of my close friends and my favorite bass player. We did a show together, you know, and it was, uh, it was right before this new host came on the, uh, right before James Corden came. Mm. So it was like John was hosting the show in the middle of them switching hosts, you know? Okay, yeah. He was like a guest host, and so we played. Dude, he's killing, man. Yeah. That dude is killing, bro. Yeah, he's killing. And it's like, I just learned that those guys, man, they're not that. Like, that stuff happens to them, but they're not uh, from that. Those are real substance people. You know what I mean? They really can do what it is they do. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think these kids should look at that more than just looking at how many followers they have because, their followers are coming for different reasons. You yeah. know what I'm saying, right? And that's what you know. Everybody's
0: like, every, all these drummers want other drummers to follow them, and I'm like, other drummers aren't the people who are going to hire you anyway.
1: Yeah, by and I large, got, you know, I'm not a follower. Man, my follower is whatever. I think I got five thousand followers, something like that. It's like, okay,
2: right, <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's 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 go and have a camera follow the life mm-hmm. and the lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, you know, I care about that stuff. I care about family being well and taking trips and balance and having the right gear and a great studio and making records and relationships. That's what I care about, bro. Right.
0: Right. So let me ask you this for a guy who's been, quote unquote, in the room a thousand times, a million times. What does, what gets you in the room?
1: A couple things. So a buddy of mine, I won't say um, who he was talking to, but a, a great friend of mine who's also one of the few people I told you about except he doesn't play drums, he play, he plays the little drum, but he plays saxophone, mm-hmm. jazz, but he's also a producer. And that's Terrace Martin, okay. one of my closest friends, who also was the producer of to, to Pimba Butterfly. So okay. you know that's the cultural mover, yeah, right? So um, great, you know, um, a, a culture record. mover. So, you know, Terrence is like, we just had this conversation the other day and he was somewhere at another studio and my name came up and everybody in the room. It was a positive light. He didn't even elaborate on who all the people were in the room, but he was just like, man, trust me, dude. It was a good room. Everybody had good experiences with you. Your name came up positive. And so for me, that's what matters nobody said oh man that dude's got oh he's so fast like nobody, right. cares. <laughs> nobody cares about that nobody said bro have you have you seen that have you heard that guy's double bass chops like <laughs> man come on dude it's all about experience like matter of fact even yesterday i was talking to a buddy of mine that's moving he was in the sales part of the business and he's moving to uh with the one of the big companies you know that sell music gear and he's moving to nashville and he said, man, I was in the, I, I was talking to a guy who's an engineer and he was like, man, you always know Trevor's on the session when you see about 15 road cases come up. <laughs> <You> know. <laughs> and the reality is, man, for me, that's a compliment because I yeah. grew up I grew up seeing Jr. and Kenny and mm. and Harvey. My first before I even had good drums, Harvey used to let me use his Gretsch in the studio before I even had endorsements or good drums when that's still around the time i was 15 i started doing sessions when i was 15 so harvey used to let me use his drums before i even had real drums and that's how i got to see like oh look at these cases man and look at how this is you know set up and the snare drums and all that man that's inspiring dude yeah that's also letting you know the level that it is at that level that you'll never really see you know you don't Mm -hmm. really see that side so you know it's like Kurt and all those cats that's, that's killing in the studio, all them cats, man, I'm looking at everybody trying to put it together, you know, when you're in that early part of your career. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And it's like, you know, and that's just what it is, man. That's important to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of stuff's important. So when your name gets brought up positively, that's really what gets you in the room. It's just mm-hmm. that simple. And, you know, there's a, black, uh, there's a black ball, like, red, super bright, don't mess with him button that can happen in those conversations with one person. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look at it as a tribunal. One person could say, hey, yeah, Mm -hmm. he's cool, but yeah, he did. He didn't show up with me. And that's it. It's over. Conversation over. You know what I'm saying? People Mm -hmm. attempting to call you over. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So you got to leave everything in a positive light, man. And and you got to make people want to call you again on a personality tip.
0: Right. Right. Well, I was going to say that I... For me, it's like I, I always think that you playing you you gotta you gotta play you gotta know how to play right. So that's sort of right. the given, right? Yeah. So for yeah. you, like you're getting called because people know you, they like you, they trust you. You know, you're yeah. professional. But I, and this isn't a stab at you, but like there's other guys that they can hire that are great sure. players. You know what I mean? Sure, and sure. Of course, you're already you've already done you already had the prerequisite. You're a great player, right? So then, but. If you're a jerk and no one wants to work with you it doesn't matter how good you are
1: man there's so many stories of that brother let me tell you so many stories that you never really will even hear of man mm-hmm. you know there's 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 cats that were there's cats that were the cat that Dennis looked up to in Baltimore but where you don't hear about him and they just disappear all, all you hear about is Dennis yeah because it's amazing hear,
0: how you'll see guys you know? who are like, who were in every magazine, on every record, blah, 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 and then it's just like, they're gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know, <laughs> yeah. some of that is, you know, some of that is just, you know, people just can't stay in the business for whatever reason. And right. some people just, when it gets tough, they get out, yeah. you know, or it could be some people do kind of do something that just is, is career suicide, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, you know, nobody's perfect, but at the end of the day, what I found is when I get called to do something, A, if I say I'm going to do it, I do it. Mm -hmm. And that's everything in my life. That's what my goal is. If I say I'm going to do it, I do it. And, you know, it can be bluntly saying no because I know I can't do it. I'm not going to act halfway. Well, the money's good, so let me just get in there. So I said, now, I got to be honest. I'm not going to single out any genre. But there is a mentality that also comes from a certain genre. And cats will have, like, 10 gigs. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. they're, like, just 10 gigs and you're sending this guy to sub here and there, but you're trying to get some of the money and you want to keep the gig. Cause you don't want, it's like, dude, listen, man, if you can't, you can't do everything, dude. It's just like, that's another thing I see that that comes into the business too. This whole, you know, let me just accept 10 gigs. But I'll only do the gigs that I want to do. Right, you know
0: what sub the rest out, take a cut off the top, and
1: yeah, there's no there's no law against it. But it's just like, yeah, that's cool, man. But the artist has to get frustrated at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm I'm just gonna tell you one thing too for me that may be different than a lot of people is for me it's never been about the gig. Mm-hmm. It's always been about the relationship. It's definitely never been about the look at me play fast. Right. It's always right. been about the relationship, and what it really always has been about is Okay, they called me here. My drums got me in the door. What else business can I do with this situation? Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. I get on the record playing drums? Can I get on the record as a songwriter, as a producer? Right, get some points I, or something. Can I, Yeah, can we do an MD thing? What other business can I do? So I'm looking at the entire situation, every situation. It's about the relationship. That's right. my number one thing of, okay, the drums got me here. Now what? You right. understand what I'm saying? Right. So it's never yeah. been about, oh, the drums got me here. Thanks a lot. See you later. Mm-hmm. That's never been it, man. It's yeah. never been it for me. So that's how come I don't trip off the gig mentality. I, I, I don't do things necessarily for money all the time. Right. The money's a byproduct because my time is worth something and what have you. And I have to weigh things sometimes. But man, you get a lot more things done with favors than money, bro. Yeah. In this business. You know what yeah. I mean? For
0: real. Man, that's a bold statement right there. Yeah. And it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. I've been checking out the new Sonar SQ-1 kits, and they are sick. You know who else thinks they're sick? Chris Coleman. I'll let him take it from here.
1: When I hear something inside of me, I have to get it out. I have to get the sound that's... Within me out. Whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I go for it. And I may create something fresh and new for me. Something I may change about it, something I may not. I'm just going with the flow. Sonar's done it. SQ1, my sonar drummer. Check them out. You'll dig them.
0: You may sit at the back of the stage, but the band revolves around you. You set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set that tone is to play Evans drumheads with level 360 technology. Thanks to the level 360 technology, Evans drumheads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find your sweet spot. Plus, they take you way beyond the normal tuning ranges so you can get some higher highs and some lower lows. Now, the sound you want will always be the sound you get. To learn more, you can go to evansdrumheads.com. Now, let's get back to it with Trevor Lawrence Jr. Uh, How do you suggest or... or what advice do you have for people who want to step into the, into the roles? Like you're saying, producer songwriter, you know, MDing, getting points on the record, be Mm -hmm. looked at more than quote unquote, just a drummer who comes in, you know, gets their 500 bucks and leaves. Yeah. Uh, Because I, because I think it's important for us as sidemen to like, you got to have a little bit more skin in the game. You got to have a little bit more equity. Mm -hmm. You got to have a little bit more Mm -hmm. residual income, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of times we sell a lot of times we as drummers sell ourselves short.
1: A hundred percent. No, I feel that. And listen, everybody is, that's not for everybody. Some people can just be comfortable making a great career as a drummer and and they're happy with it and what have you. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you still have to, first of all, if you're trying to do something, you have to know what you're doing. So, you know, a lot of times I hear people speak on words and it's like they're almost like little buzzwords like people say yeah you know i want to get pubs in and i want to man i want to start producing man i want to get on this production stuff you know it's like a phrases all these little phrases it's like okay well what specifically are you saying so are you saying you want to be a songwriter are you saying that you want to produce records because remember those are not the same thing right. they can be but by definition they're not right right so the definitions have changed over the years because now we have the ability to do everything as one person. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, there was a songwriter that wrote the song. Then a producer came and called the musicians and made the song come to a reality. So those were two different people, you know. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, first, you have to know what you're trying to do in order to accomplish it. That's why I think that these generations need to read some books You know, back in the day, I wrote I read Donald Passman's book, Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business. There's so many books you can read. Now you have Internet. You got YouTube. You got people talking. You know, you got to know what it is you're trying to do, because how are you going to execute a plan if you don't even really have a plan? Because when people tell me that I hear what I hear through that is, yeah, I'm just trying to make some other money other than just playing drums. That's what I hear. Ultimately, when people tell me that. Right. So it's like, how are you gonna go about doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I realized okay, the power is in the songwriting, period. The power is in who owns the publishing and who are the people that are the ones that made all of us possible to work here today because we're playing songs that somebody wrote. So the power of the music business is the songwriting. Mm-hmm. That is the capital that we transfer, buy, and sell. And goes up and down, like, the stock market, oh, yeah. publishing. Yeah.
0: And so, I think about all those guys, you know, all those artists who are out and they're touring and they're making a ton of money. And I'm like, man, the songwriters are – you know, it's like they're yeah. making a ton of money too. And no one yeah. – like, mo- half the time you don't even know who they are,
1: you know? That's why a lot of time – I mean, that's why, you know, bands that really write as bands, look at the Beatles. I mean, they're all songwriters, man. Yeah and they're you know gajillionaires I mean, yeah yeah it's all songwriting man and you know at the end of the day you know um uh, uh so you know in at his at, at his funeral a lot of people didn't know this and i heard the gasps in the room and i knew it but in along with reggie andrews who was the was the the high school band director of lock high school where terrence martin went where thundercat went where ronald bruner went where kamasi washington went lock high school reggie and in wrote let it whip for the Dazz band you know really? which was a huge hit in the 80s oh i know that song. Yeah. yeah yeah whip it baby that's all yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah uh, let huge. it whip yeah, yeah yeah that's a huge yeah that's a huge that's a huge record and those guys wrote that so you got to understand you know it's like man in was a teacher you know what i'm saying a professor at sc mm-hmm. he was a clinician i mean dude It was ironic because the very room at the church that they had his funeral, I did a clinic with him in that room not even eight years ago. Wow. Where he delivered the most amazing uh, evolution in history of the drum from hitting one beat on the snare drum, going all through these genres while he's narrating it and ending up on hip hop. It was probably the. You know, it's got it. Somebody definitely has it on video. It's one right. of the most genius things I've ever seen. But I just say that to say, look at how many things he did. They've now named a room at SC after him, right? Okay. Oh, so he was a teacher at SC. He toured still, right? Mm-hmm. He was a, a songwriter and producer, a very in demand session person. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like played bro, on the biggest, a, the
0: highest selling record of all time. Exactly.
1: Brilliant. And a and a big and a and a band leader. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like and the nicest and, dude in the world. Yeah, my buddy had just went to Japan with them. You know, it's like, bro, this is what it has to be. Mm-hmm. This is how you get, you know, what Dre calls slashes in your title. You have to learn the different things and execute them. Right. Yeah, and then it just then it just all of a sudden happens. Like I used to be a drummer only. Like I had to, I was a drummer learning how to play, learning. So during that time, nobody would even really listen to me saying, Oh yeah, I produce. Like mm-hmm. really? Oh, okay, cool. Play them drums. Then when I start producing, I realized. I can't really bring the drum thing into this world because they're going to look at me as a drummer. So I almost had to renounce being a drummer for some mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, when stuff starts coming out, you got records you played on and records you wrote on. You don't got to say anything anymore. Right. Now your reputation you know speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah, you're cool and you can do whatever you want. You want to do this sometimes, but it takes time and learning the craft, like you said, of each one and building it up. Mm-hmm. Then you can get into the room and, and give all the services that you offer because right. people will trust you to do such, mm-hmm. right?
0: And I look at it like with anything, you know, master your one thing, get really good at that one thing. So be, be a great drummer, learn the history, learn the craft, all that stuff. And then if you want to branch out, like do, you can't do everything all the time. So I'm like, I look at like a plane taking off, right? It's like, it's under the most stress and the pilot's got to be like head down, whatever. but once it gets to cruising altitude, it's like, okay, then you could do this other stuff or you know, like you can, Mm -hmm. you -hmm. can start branching out. And I think, I think we try to do. I think we look at someone, like we'll look at someone like you or, or you know, Dr. Dre or or anyone mm. that, that has their hands in 87 different things, and they're like, I want to do that, and they try to do it all at the same time. And it's like, yeah. man, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. Nah, no, gonna... it's,
1: it's tough, man. I mean, and for me, believe me, I had people telling me for years I should do a record, but it was always a timing thing, and it was always a thing of, you know, I still have a lot on my plate, and I don't want to just half do it. You right. know what I'm of saying? You know, when I went in there, I went in there full guns blazing, calling all my favors and all my people, and you know, trying to make the best record that I could. You know, at the time that I had, with the time I had, and the resources that I had. Right? It mm-hmm. wasn't about the bread; it was about trying to make the best record. And the relationships are what allowed me to make the record. and That's why I named it that. Right. See what I'm saying? Yep.
0: Yep. No, I agree, man. I. It's tough because we're impatient. Yeah. You know, and we want to
1: society. Yeah
0: in general and you know yeah. i think i think social media is is uh is helping with that too cuz sure we get this instant gratification and and you know don't want to put in the work not everyone but a lot of people don't want to put in the work um, yeah. what's your opinion of of new changing subjects what's your opinion of of new hip hop versus old hip hop
1: yeah i mean listen man it's a, you know it's an interesting i mean there's different categories of new hip hop so mm-hmm. if we're speaking of new hip hop like kendrick well, it's important and it's cultural and it's it's genius at times and it's, you know, and very important and it's motivating and it's empowering, you know, and it's uh inspirational. But then when you have, you know, some of these other people that are wearing dresses and, and and don't listen, I don't have any issues with any of the communities, with any of the, you know, uh letters. It's nothing about that. It's just to me, that's not even reality like i feel like they're doing it just to be looked at like look at me mm-hmm. you know what i mean so you know it's 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 weird right now because I, I i call the whole a lot of the trap stuff bumble rap some people call it minstrel rap it's not really doing anything for elevating the culture you know it's just talking about how much money you have which you know a lot of people did back in the early days right but um hold on let me send this scam to voicemail hold on you know, so, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's like, it's, it's, I love some of it, and then I, I just repulsed by a lot of it because some of it is so robotic. There's no thought process. It's the same track, it's the same key, the same auto tune, the same melody, the same inflections. It's like, man, where's the originality? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then something like Kendra comes out, and of course it moves mountains. You yeah. feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, now, you know, I, I, you know, Listen, man. I like. I, I was gonna say something that's a little too connected to some somebody, but there's new artists, man, that are getting a lot of love, and I don't even think it's because of the skill of the rap. Mm-hmm. I think it's because of the personality, and people are enamored with the personality, and they connect with the personality. Right. You know, it's definitely right, not right. about the rap skill level, right? So, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? But I, you know, I feel like hip hop. Today versus back in the day, I just feel like it was newer back in the day. It was a much more newer thing. But I also felt like people were thriving and striving um, with trying to be original, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. trying to be commercial, but yet original, but yet different, which is one of the hardest things to do. And now I feel like the whole emphasis is let's just do the exact same thing and put out 500 of those and we'll win by volume. It's not the quality, really. It's yes. like a formulaic thing. And I just got to be honest, I don't think it's helping the culture. So when something rises to the top, like a Kendrick, it's like, yeah, of course it is. Because he's trying to, he stands for something. Right. You feel me? Even, right, right. even if you take the last, you know, most of these new artists, the, the the still the most significant records of the last, I'll say, five years are definitely Pimple Butterfly and 444. Mm-hmm. Hands down, bro. Yeah hands down dog like it's not even it's not as far as skill level and 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 cleverness and message mm-hmm. and man it's not even the same hold on one second it's not even the same animal bro yeah so you know yeah. and and for me i'm like all right i grew up you know
0: i, I grew up in the 80 lady 80, you know i was born in 81 so like mm-hmm. i started listening to like listen to nwa easy mm-hmm. i listened to Tribe Call Quest, DOC, EPMD, came Mm -hmm. up through all that kind of stuff, the roots, all that. And and so now, like when I when I listen to hip hop, if it's somebody like like Lil' Uzi Vert or Cardi B, like, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like I just don't and I'm like, all right, well, I'm a thirty six year old white dude that Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like maybe I just can't relate to it. But then like Black Thought comes on, like he did that hot ninety seven thing, and I was like uh, yeah, uh, that's like to me. I'm like, there's no, there's no comparison. But I don't know. Maybe I'm jaded, no. and, and who am
1: I to? Well, am I to judge? Yeah, no, nah, I mean, but that's what they said. You know, in 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 my generation, your generation, compared to you know the '70s and the '60s. You know, because yeah, but lyrically,
0: level, like, look at someone like Black Thought. I mean. I think Black yeah, Thought's course. like the greatest lyricist ever, well, so maybe mean, not even him, but like...
1: Rakim, bro, like Rakim. But you like, know look I mean? at like,
0: Rakim versus Lil yeah. Uzi Vert.
1: Like, I don't think there's... Well, of course, it's not, but see, that's the thing. You're looking at two different... That the, First of all, it's two different reasons, right? Right, right. And, and Rakim is on... He's on the whole... You know, his whole thing was knowledge, and there's some religious... Or not even religious, but seek some some organizational or, you know, some secret society messages... Right that are in some of his stuff with the knowledge and the seven ness and the Bobbin first thought born and blah, blah. there was a whole <laughs> stuff behind it that yeah, a lot of people not know letter about. And all, yeah, yeah, you had X-Clan at the same time popping. I used to go see them live with a whole Afrocentric thing. Now it's about how many streams can I get? So I will prostitute myself, look like a clown, I'll do anything, I'll say anything, I'll dress like anything, I'll be androgynous if that's going to do something, I'll wear a dress, I'll do anything to get streams. Right. And that's what the fundamental difference is, right? So, I think that, you know, of somebody like Rakim or even recently like a J Cole who's mm-hmm. young and talented and is about something, right. you can't even compare him to these these other guys in what I call the menstrual rap category cuz right. it's like they're like jokes, they're like they're literally like minstrels or like court jesters to me. They look <laughs> closer to court jesters than they do to rappers. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I hate to put a generalization because some of them are good. Yeah. And I'm not
0: like picking on Lil Uzi Vert or Cardi nah, B. It's nah, just I that got style. It. It's, it's,
1: yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's weird, man. But it sells records. You know, I have kids that are that age. So I got a son that's that age. So he knows everyone. But he also knows all the old stuff, too. But right. And he knows what's better. And he really uh, has an affinity to Pac and Biggie. But he does know all these new songs, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, you know, they got these dances and it's a whole Internet thing, man. It's not even a lot of this stuff's not even a radio thing. It's like, yeah, it's like, I say, man, how do you know all this stuff so consistently every week? It's changing. You know, he was telling me about six, nine months ago. And now there's the whole beef with him in the game and all that. It's amazing, man. It's yeah. amazing how this social media Internet is such a direct distribution thing. It's like it's like unbelievable, man. You know yeah. how it can get to these kids so quick. You know what I mean. So for that part of it, I'll say this generation has won. You know they have been successful in basically in analytics and demographics. But yeah. as far as skill level, man, it's it's, it's night and day, bro, yeah. between the old day, old school, and now. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. like I was just listening to uh, to Mellow My Man, the Roots tune, mm-hmm. and from uh, it's on. Do you want more? And I was listening mm-hmm. to it, and I'm just like god like this it's so good yeah it's so good you
1: know it's yeah it's like yeah yeah oh yeah i, I don't, don't look like classics man what's that yeah there's a lot of classics bro That keep, <laughs> you, they come on and i spin a little bit still too like with my fraternity i spin so you know i we just had a convention and i, and I spun up in fresno mm-hmm. and i was playing some old school and i was like oh dude this stuff is so killing bro like it just—it's just certain things you play, and it's like the beat's classic, the sound of it's classic, mm-hmm. the rhymes classic, and then you go switch to something today, and you play 20 songs, and it's the same song. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? It's crazy. And man. some of that
0: old school stuff is like—it was recorded on tape, you know. It's like,
1: oh yeah, man, it sounds man. I was playing Eric B. and Rakim, and you know EPMD, and like bro, even like you know MC Shan. Mm-hmm. Like bro, it's this stuff sounds like. It was just like we didn't have a huge resource, but we put our whole heart and soul into it. Yeah, and I, I and know, they sound like, I love that they
0: sound like records. Yeah, you man. know, like it's amazing. Yeah. They don't sound like like now. I think a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we were talking about, like some of the newer stuff, is like, you know, it's almost like these these little like bite sized things that are just put out. But like a lot of these old records, man, they're just like they sound amazing. They're they're produced really well. They're, yeah,
1: they're loose. They're airy. They like oh, man. But the know. flip side now is that. The bar has been lowered, so now it's like you almost—it's like now you can't—you got to make sure that you don't overproduce. And in this day and age, overproducing is what we would consider just like requirements. (laughs) You know, like the kids—they want it raw now. To where I was in a session the other day, and it's like I'm like, yeah, we got to fix the vocals. They're like, oh no, 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 no. no—that's it, man. That's the—that's the record. And I was like, I had to say, oh well, hey, man you know it's like because things change bro yeah yeah, yeah. and you can't force people you know anytime you do that it's ego you gotta you know if you if you're enforcing your thing on something that is not where this really has to be it's ego you know Mm -hmm. so sometimes the producers you gotta learn you can't insert your thing all the time right you gotta just like step back and say okay cool you're the artist that what you want cool you know what i mean
0: and and you have to walk that line i'm guessing of of getting out of your own way sometimes and and not arguing because you want to be right but arguing because you want to make the right decision you know what i mean so it's like let's yeah. get to the best thing it doesn't necessarily have to be my thing let's right. figure I, out what the best I've, thing learned, is.
1: I've learned the best way to 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 do that too is i just when i'm in situations bro i ask questions i don't formulate things as we should do this mm-hmm. i formulate things as is that cool or like are you hearing something else or yo, is, is this is this something is like is that was that on purpose? Like mm-hmm. I don't just say, oh, I know even if I feel like I have the fix, cause I can go, remember, I I'm one of the people that learn the craft, so I can go and sit on Pro Tools myself and do whatever edits, whatever I need to do. Sure. But if it's not that kind of situation, there's an engineer, there's another person, maybe an artist, maybe I'm not even producing, I might just be writing. So I can't just say, all right, get up, homie, let me do this. No. Mm, right. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like Is that are you cool with that okay cool you know and and, and instead of saying i think we should do this it's the same exact sentiment if i say are y'all cool with that because if i say i think we should do this and they say no but then there's no and there's a weird vibe and an awkwardness but Mm -hmm. if i say are y'all cool with that And they say yeah we cool with that i don't have to say nothing else and everybody else is cool there's no weird energy right so just something that small if you don't know how to do that you're going to walk into a session insert your opinion Kill the vibe and wonder why you don't get called back. Right. Especially as a drummer. Yeah. You come in the control room with your opinion as a drummer. I'm like, what the hell, man! If right. you don't get back in that damn wide room and shut the hell up, so yeah, we you know. <laughs> don't we don't pay you to think. <laughs> yeah, man, come on, dog. So are like? What do you think? You know? So how you know?
0: Obviously, there's a difference when you walk in as a producer, or when you walk in, you know, as someone who's who's a hired gun that's going to be playing tracks. Like when you go into into the studio to work for Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's notorious for being one of the greatest producers ever. Sure, you know what's what's the vibe. Like and how how does that whole how does that whole process work with him?
1: Well, I mean, with him, you know, I play, I, you know, I produce way more than I play drums, so it's like, you know, I'm on my, you know, my rig, you know, my my laptop rig. Are you like what
0: you're saying when you're in the studio with him? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you are producing together? Oh yeah. That's what there's a whole
1: crew of us, man, and we, you know, we jam and write, and then when it gets to be really those times when we start really narrowing down songs, you know, then I start overdubbing, and that's when I tend to play a lot more drums, like hi-hat stuff or whatever. There was a period where I was playing, you know, electronic set triggering my laptop rig so I could have different sounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that that happens. But, you know, I mean, listen, we've had number one songs with acoustic drums on it, but that's not the normal way that we get down. You know what I'm right, saying? Like, right. you know, there's things that I do to bring to the table to to, to be a little different and to provide the feel and, and some sonic, frequencies that will work with the type of music we're doing because live drums just regular on their face don't work all the time with Mm hip-hop so there has to be some manipulations or some additions you know because frequency wise we're dealing with some different stuff right so that's why that's why i became an ambassador for the lp raw stuff which you'll start seeing videos for that soon because the way i use it it really, really sounds amazing when you're doing any kind of, you know, music that's electronic or current or hip hop oriented and it still works frequency wise. You see what I'm saying? But Mm -hmm. I can still play, but it still works. Right. So, you know, I'm into that kind of stuff. I'm always searching on what can help that situation. And Dre is my benchmark. Right. So I'm always like, what can I bring over there that's going to enhance what we're doing or give us a new inspiration. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, you know, it's just one of those things, man, like we just get together. Now, obviously, after all these years, we have a symmetry so he can read me. I can read him. Right. So, I, I you right. know, instinctually, I know sometimes what he wants before he even says it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, there's that thing that you just develop with people over time. You dig. But, you know, when I'm with him, man, it's just like, man, we the whole thing is we check our egos at the door and whoever's in the room. We just go for it until something great comes out, Mm -hmm. period. Yeah. And if he says, ah, I'm not feeling that, that's not it. Everybody trusts his judgment. If you really don't, you know, you'll always – he's always open, too. He's very no ego. So you can say, I don't really like that, Dre. Mm -hmm. You know, well, you know, then we might figure out something else. You feel me? But most of the time, man, you let him coach – you follow and you get hit records. Right. And that's yeah. just the, you know what I mean? That's the reality. It's like you let him coach, you bring to the table what you bring to the table, and you leave negative energy out of the building, and you usually end up on the right side of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> hey, man, you know, I, I, here, look at, look at all the, look at my past track record, you know? Like, yeah. He obviously knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, were you, I was just thinking, you were in, um, you were in the Defiant once, weren't you, for like a little bit? Yeah. Minute. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah,
1: so. Yeah. We got such a relationship, bro. It's like, dude, trust me. I'll play something, and he say, man, what? Man, what? I thought you was a drummer, man. you supposed <laughs> to be a great drummer. What happened, man? Turn the click on. Right. And then I'll then I say, oh, man, that ain't nothing but human error, man. Like, you know, come on. You know, so it, it's it's grown into a great relationship, man. And, you know, that's that's like the big homie, man. And, and, you know, it's all, you know, it's all sorry. It's my mom walking in. That's all right. It's all good. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know it's like um you know it's 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 cool man it's not for everybody i don't i don't think everybody can live over there because a lot of people's got too much ego yeah and so a lot of people they won't allow them to be in the place they need to be to all come together and create you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah makes sense so what are some things that uh that you worked on recently that that is either coming out or or some stuff that you have in the in the works
1: um I, i definitely have some stuff in the works um there's you know, a few, you know, some stuff I can't talk about, but um, there's a girl, something I'm excited about is a girl that sang on my record um, on my song called Auckland on my album with her and Nicholas Payton. She's now signed the um, Capitol. Her name is Donna Masao. She also sang on the, uh, on a recent and did a tour actually with, um, what's this, the thrift shop guy's name? Macklemore. Uh, Macklemore. Yeah, she recently sang on the Macklemore album. So her, she's signed the Capitol now. Her album's going to come out. I worked what's on her that. Name? She's. Donna Masao, M.I.S.S.A.L. Did she
0: sing She's, with him on the on the Grammys or that was I think so.
1: I think yeah. so. She's been doing live stuff with him so I think so. Um and then um you know I, recently uh, last year I did a lot of touring but you know obviously you probably already know that you know I played drums on Ed Sheeran's album. Mm-hmm. Um I played, you know, I, I co-wrote a song on Bruno's album. Mm-hmm. Um, which which one was that? perm oh, I love it. um and i didn't play on it i just co-wrote it i yeah. think it's his brother playing and then um you know uh there's other stuff i can't remember i am <laughs> literally trying to think right now let me just think for two seconds well obviously i put my record out last year right um I, i'm signed to atlantic records now so i have a, a a group situation at atlantic records and we don't even have a name it's more of a production team group like imagine if like the funk brothers got signed you know what i mean it's it's that kind of situation so kind of been working on that record for like the last seven or eight months huh yeah oh that's right my mom just reminded me i I did i had a song on this recent eminem album too oh did you You know uh, yeah uh, it was something we did a while ago but it came out on this this revival album Mm -hmm. um you know and then there you know there's some stuff that i you know i just can't talk about that i'm super excited about that's definitely gonna be nice in the hip hop world. I've been working on my boy Terrace Martin's album too. Oh, nice. He's uh yeah. He's gonna be coming out at Atlantic too. So, you know, that's that's super dope. And um, you know, we, we we got some things in the works, man. You know, I, got I know some, I
0: know you're always busy. So
1: yeah, I got some I got some uh, yeah. Okay, my mom is like she knows my stuff better than me. <laughs>
0: that's no, her she job. Just right
1: reminded <laughs> me. Yeah, like yeah, I played on this the the recent Kelly Clarkson album that's out. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else is is coming out? Well, I had a, I had a several, a lot of records come out last year, but. Mm-hmm. I do have. I did do a lot of touring last year. You know, um, Leanne Rimes Obviously, um, I toured with her. Mm-hmm. I did her last album. Um, we have we have something coming out pretty soon too. I worked on with her, nice. and uh, we're we're gonna kick it up again in a few months. Start doing some stuff. I got some summer stuff with Herbie this summer too. Um, I did a I did a whole like I did a I toured with him the month of November too. Back in November overseas in Europe. Okay. We got some summer dates um, this summer, like June I think. And then I have some of my own stuff uh some touring gonna start for me with the uh relationships album with another artist that i can't really say yet but we're gonna be doing some co-building stuff all over the world awesome so i'm literally that's really what i'm trying to work on now we're trying to get all that stuff um ironed out and sorted out but um you know just sessions man and you know i'm I'm writing a lot you know kind of starting a new record for myself like the opening processes of it so Writing a lot, you know, and then I'm over there with, you know, with Dre on occasion. Like mm-hmm. I go over there, you know, when I can. I'm not, I'm not over there every day like I used to be, right. you know. But you know, we we went back in August. We went to Hawaii for a couple weeks and worked at our spot that we work at in Hawaii. And uh, you know, it's there's some there's a lot of energy happening over there. So I'm just like a million things, bro. I just right. keep it going. A million things. I got I like way it. into to film and, and TV. Like, so I got the whole, you know, rig and I got guys that work with me. I bought all the gear. I'm in the middle of like three documentaries right now, you know, on awesome. the other side of the game. So, you know, I just keep it. I just keep it busy, man. I yeah, try yeah. to stay busy, bro. I like you know? it. So where's the best yeah.
0: place for people to go to follow you? Like what with what you got going on? I'm
1: the most active on Instagram. Okay. That's okay. the most I when I when I post stuff it goes to Facebook and all that, but I don't really do Facebook as much. Okay. So Instagram is where I'm most active. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's Trevor Lawrence Jr., all one word. And
0: I'll I'll link up to all that stuff in the show notes so that, that the listeners okay. can find it and all that stuff. Yeah. Um yeah. but Trevor, I wanna first of all thank you for taking the time to chat with me, man. It was great. Yeah. I could I could talk to you for hours. Um, yeah that's all good bro shout out to lewis marks for connecting us as well from Ropa dope records yeah. yeah and uh man just really really great having you I'm, I'm so glad we got to connect
1: nah man i'm glad we did too man lewis is a good guy man so i'm glad he did this bro Agreed. Agreed. and uh you know let me know man and do that research man and tell me if you if you find something that i'm I gonna I'll, I'll look about. it up and i'll yeah. let you know if yeah. i find yeah. it because right. okay. i don't think so
0: but, yeah, uh, I don't think so either. I appreciate it, man, and uh, I will talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, thanks, bro. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. All right.
0: There you have it, the one and only Trevor Lawrence Jr. You can find the links to everything that we talk about at drummersresource.com forward slash session 380. Also, Trevor has a book that he wrote called Me Too, The Musician's Pocket Guide to Endorsements. I recommend checking that out. It's a great book of how to align yourself with endorsement companies, with brands that you know, like, and trust, and that you want to support, and that you want to play, and The book's five bucks and it's on Kindle. It's called Me Too, The Musician's Pocket Guide to Endorsements. I highly recommend checking that out. Also, if you dig the podcast, please do me a favor, rate it or review it on iTunes. It's super simple to do. You just jump on there, leave a rating, one to five stars, and then you write a little review if you want to, but it's super easy. That helps the podcast show up higher in the search results, lets more people know about it. And if you will, just share this. Everyone asks how they can help to support the podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it on Instagram. You know, post it up on social media. Whatever you can do, just help spread the word about it. That always helps. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I almost started singing. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.